You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome, animal lovers everywhere, to episode 68 of Awesome Animal Advocates on the Pet Life Radio Network. I'm Keith Sanderson, host and creator of Awesome Animal Advocates, the program where you meet the doers, the leaders, the people who are making a difference for animals in your neighborhoods, counties, states, and around the world. You'll learn how these amazing people became involved in doing what they do, why they spend time, money, and long hours each day fighting to save the lives of and or improving the living conditions of companion, domestic, and wild animals and more. Today, our guest is Linda Walter, founder of Four Paws Pantry, a not-for-profit organization that helps families keep their cats and dogs. Linda is an example of how someone who loves animals saw a problem and created a solution that has benefited untold numbers of cats and dogs and their human companions. I first met Linda when she asked me if Max A. Pooch would perform at a fundraiser for Four Paws Pantry. Max A. Pooch and I were impressed with the hundreds of Teleco villagers who supported Four Paws at the fundraiser. We will meet Linda in a moment and learn what caused her to found Four Paws Pantry and the amazing work her organization is doing. But first, a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free stews. The only pet food with Red Barn Bully Sticks. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and meet our guest, Linda Walter, founder of Four Paws Pantry. Welcome, Linda. Thank you for being with us today. Good morning, Keith. It's really great having you. And, you know, I mentioned the fundraiser Max A. Pooch and I were at. I think it was last spring, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And I was really impressed with the turnout you had and the great job you're doing. Can you share with our audience just what the mission of Four Paws Pantry is? Sure. Our full name is the Four Paws Food Pantry. And what we do is uh, we discovered a need in Loudoun County, Tennessee. Uh, And in 2009, when the economy really took a downturn, a lot of people were finding themselves in a situation where they could no longer take care of their pets at all. They They couldn't even feed them. And they were turning them into the animal shelters where I was volunteering with another woman named Carol Witherington. And Carol and I were reading the intakes on several of the animals, and they were coming in. They were skinnier. They were scrawnier. And the people turning them in were so sad because they said, we just can't take care of our dog or our cat anymore. 
And we said, well, maybe we can do something about that. And so we started looking into it, and with some other volunteers, we found that uh, the Good Samaritan Center in uh, Lenore City was willing to make room on their pantry shelves for pet food. The Good Samaritan Center provides people food and other assistance to families in financial trouble. They help with light bills and rent bills and things like that. And now they also help the rest of the family by providing dog and cat food through us. That's great. So the mission of your organization then is is to collect food and then through a third party distribute it to those who need it to feed their cats and dogs. Is that it in a nutshell? In a nutshell, that is it, yes. Okay. And I might add that that sounds like a really great way to leverage your efforts because you can spend your time collecting the food or funding to buy food and don't have to worry about finding the clients to distribute it because, in essence, you have a a distributor for you. Exactly. And they qualify the people who they give pet food to, so we don't have to do that either. So they've become an integral part of this program. We could not do it without the Good Samaritan Center. Wow, that's great. Now, uh, let me ask you, have you always been advocating for animals or was this the first time? Or I know you said you worked at the shelter, so I would suspect you've been helping animals for a long time. Is that right? Well, in many small ways, yes. You know, I've volunteered here and there, but I've never taken the plunge that I took with uh, the Four Paws Food Pantry. I think there's a lot of people who are out there and see a challenge, as you saw, and then wonder, well, how do I go about this? This is all so complicated. I, if I'm a nonprofit, I probably have to do this and that and everything else. What would your words of advice be? Should they take the plunge? Oh, definitely take the plunge. Standing by and doing less than you could do is you don't want to spend your life that way. I couldn't do that. I have to try as hard as I can to make something happen. I will say that I thought that this would be a lot easier than it is. I found a wonderful card in the store one day that said, I have this great idea. Why don't we rescue rodeo bulls? And, you know, how hard can that be? And that's sort of what we got into here. But it has been worth every moment. We love what we do and we wouldn't do anything else. Wow. Now, I think in my own experience, and and maybe it's true with you also, is the great people one gets to meet when they're doing this. Have you found uh, this to be a benefit? Oh, that is so true. We have connected with people just throughout Tennessee, mainly in Loudoun County, but even on the internet, people who, you know, cheer us on or help us or make suggestions. And yes, just people from all walks of life, some people who aren't even particularly animal lovers, but they they like the spirit of helping our fellow human beings. And, and that's essentially what we're doing. We are helping people by helping them take care of their pets. And when people see that, they understand the full picture. You know, that's so important because I think sometimes those who maybe aren't animal lovers or advocates miss the point is that when usually when we help animals, I believe we're also helping humans. 
and whether it's a habitat for birds, because why do we do that? Then the bird, somebody will look out their window, maybe a sick person, and see a blue jay, and it'll bring a, yeah, so that's, I think, a very important thing that we need to share when we work with animals, that it's the humans that we're helping also, particularly in your case. I think so. We have our uh, recipients of our pet food program fill out a little form for us to tell us something about themselves so that we can learn and understand more about the population that we're serving. And we get comments continually about how important the pet is to the family. And many times the pets have sort of taught themselves to become service dogs They help people who have suffer from depression or have asthma or have a diabetic condition and they can alert them. The animals, the way they become part of a person's life is, it's just, we have no idea how deep that connection is. I had a guest who, from the Mayor's Alliance of New York and they were starting a program there, one of the facilities for uh, domestic violence for women who suffered. And they were experimenting with if the uh, client had a pet, either cat or dog, that they take the animal also. And uh, early outcomes were that it really, really helped. And they found that many times that the client would take the abuse rather than abandon the companion animal. I think that just shows, you know, how deep the bonds can be between uh, pet and human that's right. That, that's how we feel. And and that is part of what keeps us going every day. We've been doing this now for over six years, and we just, we just don't want to quit because there's no end to the need. How did you find the people to do the paperwork, become a not-for-profit? You said it was a challenge in, in starting it. I would imagine it's probably just like starting a business. Is that true? That's exactly what it is like. And I wish I had seen it that way in the beginning. I would have probably been more successful in putting it together. And uh, But because I didn't see it that way, I, I wasn't as um, organized as I might have been. But I found people who would help. I found a uh, retired accountant who guided me through the application process for the 501c3. It is difficult, but not impossible. And then actually, once I got that application approved, we then got a uh, Tennessee tax-exempt status. And that was fairly easy because we now had the, uh, the other status, the 501c3 status. And I've talked to several people who have wanted to start organizations, and I have advised them that that is where to begin. Get that 501c3. And and you need officers. And we just went to other people who we knew were animal lovers, and uh, they have committed to us and been with us. There, there are three main officers who have been with our group from the very beginning, Chris Britton, Carol Witherington, and I, and then other people have moved away or moved on to other projects, but we've had other folks that have come in since we began and have joined us and stayed with us, and they are just as steadfast and believe as heartily as we do. We've got a wonderful website guru, and he does all things to do with the computer for us, and uh, and people who volunteer to go to various 
outings so that we can spread the word and get our name out. And then we spend the rest of our time raising money, applying for grants and trying to come up with creative ways to raise money. You know, that's really interesting because I think that a lot of times those of us who are advocating for a cause, in this case, uh, you and I for animals, we may not or we may forget or we may not even realize just how much like a business this has to be in order to be efficient and uh, to be able to do get the utmost done and for our clients, whether they're humans or dogs or cats or whatever. And would you say that's true? I'd say that's absolutely true. We learned that we needed to run our meetings according to Robert's rules of order. We learned a lot as we went along. And yes, it is a business. It may not make any money, but it is a business. Well, that's great. You know, and I I think that'll be some good advice to those who are listening because I know a lot of our listeners are thinking about maybe doing something more or taking that plunge and they just hold back. You know, it's like you said, take the plunge, but look at it like a business and maybe you'll be able to get on your feet more quickly. Linda, we need to take a break right now. And I want our audience to stay with us because when we return, Linda's going to share us why she believes that it's really important to keep pets with family. We've talked about it, but I don't think it can be stressed enough. So we'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Calling all pet product manufacturers and pet experts. Let the public relations and marketing professionals at Whitegate PR get you featured in the news. I'm Dana Humphrey at Whitegate PR, and we have been specializing in pet product PR for over 10 years and can get your brand featured in the media from TV to radio to print to blogs. You can find out more at www.whitegatepr.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and our guest is Linda Walter, founder of Four Paws Food Pantry. Linda, you know, I've had some cynics ask me when I told them you were going to be a guest. And they said, why should people have pets when they can't afford to feed them? How do you answer them? Well, I love this question because it's the situation that people find themselves in. Most people who can't afford to feed their pets, when they got their pets, they could afford to feed them. Everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, the business moved out of town, moved out of country, and all of a sudden, a job was gone. And maybe they found another job, but that job didn't pay as much. There's a spiraling down that happens when the economy goes south. 
and families suffer in so many ways that we just don't realize. And it's it's more than not being able to buy new shoes or not being able to take a trip to Florida. It gets down to buying groceries and not being able to feed pets that you bought when life was good and you were well employed and now you're struggling. And unfortunately, by now that pet might be a senior pet, maybe eight, nine, ten years old, not adoptable by most standards, and uh, and now you've got this animal who is part of your family that you love, raised with your children, and you can't afford to feed him. And maybe you're feeding him table scraps, but you see that he's getting skinnier and he's not looking good, and you know you're not taking proper care of him. So what do you do? You can take him to the shelter where he most likely will not be adopted, and then he will most likely be euthanized. Or you can get help from somebody like us. And that story repeats itself constantly. You know, you're right about that. I had uh, I wrote an article uh, for Chicago Examiner uh, about a lady who um, worked with people who lost their homes, whether it was apartments or uh, houses. And she started in, when the recession hit. And, you know, again, a lot of cynics said to her, well, you know, if the people don't have a place to keep the dog or cat, why did they get one? Well, the story is maybe they had a place and they lost it. And what she did is a lot of it was fostering because these people really wanted to keep their animals, but at least temporarily, they couldn't. They were either in an apartment that didn't allow pets, and the, but that apartment might not have been a, a permanent landing place for the family. And so her job was trying to find foster places so these people could either visit the animals and keep that connection while they were trying to locate in a, in a more permanent position. And again, you know, through no fault of their own, usually they were in circumstances that really caused strain on them and having to worry about their, their pets was just additional strain. Absolutely. And illness is another thing that hits families that they're, you know, none of us is prepared for what a severe illness can do to a family. And, you know, all your money suddenly is being funneled to the doctor and, you know, the medicine and everything else. And then people are just supposed to dump their dog or their cat when probably the family needs it the most. Yeah, you're right. You know, that recalls, I think it was on uh, local TV, I saw a news clip and it was uh, a terminally ill patient. He had asked and asked and asked that his little, a very small dog, if he could see it. And, of course, the authorities, oh, no, you can't bring him in, and so on and so forth. And finally, somebody got the dog in to see the uh, patient who was lying there. And just seeing him, you know, the joy of both of them, the little dog saying, wow, here's my human. And the, the human, just the smile on his face, despite all the tubes and electrodes and everything else prodding them and everything. It was just so touching to, to see that happen. And it brought home what you're saying is that a lot of times there's just, you know, sickness happens and you can't stay at home and feed that poor dog or cat. And it's great when there's somebody like you who's in the community uh, who can help. And many communities have programs like this, I'm happy to say. I'm learning more and more communities, uh, counties, 
and uh, animal shelters will have programs like this. They recognize the need everywhere. If I were in another county or another state, how would I go about finding a local program uh, like yours? The first place I would go to is the animal shelter or the Humane Society. That's the first place I would go to. And then I'd try maybe uh, local veterinarians. They might be able to guide you. And to give us an idea of the scope, how many pounds of cat and dog food do you distribute each week or, you know, or each year or each decade or however you have it measured out? Can you share that with us? I sure can. I'm happy to. Our books are open to everyone. And I have it detailed by week and by month and by year and running totals. Typically in a week, I'm looking here and we provide over about, I'll say about 750 pounds of dog and cat food per week. That's how much we distribute. And that averages about 50 to 60 bags of cat and dog food each week. And that's an 18 and a half pound bag of dog food and a uh, about a six and a half pound bag of cat food that we distribute. And in a month, well, for example, last month we distributed for the total month in last month we distributed 130 bags of dog food and 110 bags of cat food. We spent almost 1,700 dollars. That's in one month. That's pretty typical. What people have to realize, they may not know Loudoun County, but Loudoun County is not a densely populated county. So uh, I can just imagine what the need might be in, a, in an urban county. That's right. We're serving about 150 families a month. And I'm sure that in a more densely populated area, that number would really climb. One thing I did want to share with you, especially for somebody who's thinking about going out and trying something new, we started, again, just about six years ago, we have distributed over $100,000 in pet food. It's an astronomical amount of money. Wow, that really is amazing. $100,000. Now, I know you have fundraisers to help you raise money to purchase the food because, as I said before, Max A. Pooch was invited to be at one of your fundraisers this year. But you mentioned grants, and are there other places you get funding to purchase food for the animals? Well, yes, we have some staunch supporters. Uh, one of them is the Good Neighbor Shop that is located in Loudoun County, and they have been a huge supporter of ours actually from the beginning. And they have made donations to us each year that, that really help keep us going. We also get support from the Loudoun County Humane Society, and uh, we get support from some other organizations, one that has nothing to do with animals. It's an insurance company, and one is a, a pet boarding company. They've been staunch supporters of ours from the very beginning. And then everything else comes from people like you and me that just continually donate. Well, if uh, my listeners want to help by donating or volunteering, is there a website which uh, provides them more information, how they can donate or volunteer or, or help? Yeah. Yes, there sure is. We have a website. It's www.4pawsfoodpantry, that's F-O-U-R, pawsfoodpantry.org. And we have pictures of past fundraisers. We have our mailing address. If anybody would love to make a donation, we would appreciate it so much. And then if you want to sign up and receive our newsletter, that's another way that we raise a lot of money. 
And in fact, we're going to be distributing our next newsletter very soon in October. So, so I um, guess our guests, anybody who wants to get on your mailing list for your newsletter should go to the website and let uh, you know. Is that right? Absolutely. That would be perfect. And uh, Linda, I ask each of my guests this following question, and that is, with all the human misery and suffering in the world, how can you justify spending time, money, and resources advocating for animals? Well, because the world is made up of not just humans, but all the animals and that populate it. And we owe it to ourselves to take care of the least among us. And those with no voice need us the most. Well, that's well said, because those who can't speak are left so many times. They're ignored because they have no voice. You know, I understand you're going to be moving, and we're going to miss uh, the great work you're doing, but I don't think that's the end of four paws, is it? No, of course not. I'm going to be moving down the road to Florida, but I am going to remain as president of Four Paws until somebody else decides they want to become president. And I will still be working on fundraising and doing all my work mostly through Skype and through phone and email. And I won't be actively participating in any fundraising events anymore because I won't be here. But we intend to, to continue working as hard as possible to keep Four Paws, you know, earning money and continue to support the animals in our community. We're still going to put out our newsletters and uh, we're going to be spending a lot more time researching grants that will help Four Paws in uh, groups like Four Paws that provide pet food. Well, that's great. And I think that's something else that someone who's starting out with an organization like yours might think about is in this day and age with technology is that we can really, if we use it and harness it, we can use it in ways that can increase our efficiency, even though we're not around or close. And maybe our community can expand. We may be serving a county or a city, but those who we're working with to, to fulfill our mission can be spread out all over the country or the world for that matter. That's right. I think of it as our corporate offices are moving to Florida, but our <laughs> branch will still be here. Well, that's great. That's great. You know, we've run out of time, Linda, and I thank you so much for taking the time to join us. You're an inspiration of how animal advocates are helping animals and improving or saving their lives. And I'm sure I speak for every one of our listeners when I say, keep up the good work, Linda. Well, thank you so much, and thanks for this opportunity to uh, speak to all your listeners. Well, you're welcome, and I want to thank Mark Winter, executive producer and co-founder of Pet Life Radio and the sponsors who make this program possible. Please join us for each and every episode of Awesome Animal Advocates, and be sure to tell your friends about us. And if you know of an individual or organization who should be featured on Awesome Animal Advocates, just email me at keith at maxapooch.com. That's Keith, K-E-I-T-H, at maxapooch.com. Remember, until we meet again, when you do a good thing for animals, you help to make the world a better place for animals and for humans. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.